point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause your shame's done all the stealing. Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Cause he makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years until the past to disappear? about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could who can work it all for your good let me tell you about my Jesus cause he makes a way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave ain't no sinner that he can't save let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and His grace is free And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus Let my Jesus change your life Hallelujah 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 Amen take my cross at Calvary pay the price for all my guilty who could care that much about me let me tell you about my Jesus cause he makes a way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave and there ain't no sinner that he can't save let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and His grace is free And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus Let my Jesus change your life Hallelujah 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 Amen Amen you glad for the redeeming work of Calvary tonight. I remember when he saved me, I'll never forget it. Someone as big as God moves in on the inside of you, you'll never forget it either. Amen. 
not everybody might remember the exact calendar date that you were saved, but if you ever do get saved, you will remember that moment. Amen. It is unforgettable. It is unforgettable. It's life transforming. I thank God for His grace. Open your Bibles tonight with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 6. Praise the good Lord. We're going to continue our study tonight, our second installment on the subject of sanctification. We started this last Sunday night. We're recording these so that uh, we can make these series available for later use and study if need be. Uh, I want to encourage you to use the tools that we have put together online through our Facebook, through our website. We've made it easily shareable. And uh, if you're having a hard time figuring out how to share it, just come talk to me after service. I'll show you how easy it is. You can text it. You can email it. You can plaster it all over Facebook and tag people with it. There's no reason why you can't get the Word of God out to people strategically and uh, specifically. Amen. Uh, and be willing to be a vessel used of the Lord. You know, never have we seen a day in human history where it's so easy to put the Word of God at somebody's fingertip. Right within, literally, arm's reach. Right? Everybody's got a smartphone, and that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to use the technology so that the Word of God can flow like water. If they don't come to us, we try to bring it to them. Hold on a second. A little spider hanging from my microphone. Got it. Anyway... <laughs> Um, trying to get the Word of God to everybody. So utilize those tools, not only for the benefit of sharing the gospel, but maybe you'll need to go back every once in a while like I do and reminisce and listen to something again. If it bless you the first time, it's liable to bless you again. Amen? It'll be a, sore, a well. You know, the Word of God is like a well. You can go to it over and over again and get a fresh drink every single time. You can take the same passage, read it a, a hundred times, and get a hundred different... Uh, personal applications because the Holy Spirit is that powerful a teacher. Amen. And so uh, use those tools for your spiritual growth and development and also for others. Second Corinthians chapter number six. And we're going to read the same verses we read last week and pick up where we left off. We will read uh, verses 14 through chapter seven and verse one. Be not be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You ever had God walking around on the inside of you? Amen. You feel some conviction about something. You feel a holy stirring about something. That's God walking around in your soul, right? Verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, 
and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. We preached about that this morning. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I love the divisions there in the latter part of verse 1 of chapter 7, uh, admonishing us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, both of the flesh and the spirit. I know people, maybe they're, uh, maybe they're, they're not carnal, fleshly speaking. Maybe they're faithful to their spouse. Maybe they don't, they don't get involved in the lusts of the flesh, so to speak, but their spirits are foul. And you can be clean in your flesh and unclean in your spirit. Somebody say amen right there. And God wants all of you, not just some of you, part of you, right? And so sanctification is that process by which God sets us apart specifically for his use and for his glory. And having a purpose to do that, in fact, we are predestinated. Don't let that word scare you. It is just defining the predetermined counsel and will of God, the purpose for which he saves you and I. And that is that we might be made into the likeness of the image of Christ and serve God. It is God's predetermined will to redeem you and to sanctify you and set you apart to use you for his glory and for his honor. And God does not plan on using an unclean vessel. Now, that's not to say that he can't use you after you've messed up. That's not to say that he can't get glory even with a messed up vessel. But it is to say that God expects you and I as believers in Christ to live worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Amen. That is, grace is not giving us a liberty or a license to sin and take the grace of God for granted and take advantage of it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I would like to put it this way. How could we possibly even live with ourselves to presume the grace of God and just abuse it and say, Ah, God's, God will understand. And just flippantly and nonchalantly live in our sin and act as if God's got it all covered and he's cool with us. My friend, the blood of Jesus cost God a great price. And he did not shed his blood for us to trample it underfoot. Amen? So he does expect us to live according to the principles of the Word of God. So sanctification is a part of that process. You know, you're saved in a moment, but you're sanctified for a lifetime. It takes us an entire lifetime of constantly yielding to the voice and word and spirit of God to keep this flesh under subjection to the word and will of God. Like, I like what Dr. Bobby Robertson was famous for saying. He said, you could crucify the flesh in the morning and by evening that burger will done wiggled off the cross. Amen. And that's the way this flesh is. is, is was it Paul the Apostle that said, I die daily? Right? It, listen, yesterday's victory was for yesterday. You need new victory today. 
So let the process of sanctification work moment by moment. There will never be a time in your life as a Christian until your physical body is dead in the grave or resurrected and glorified that you will not have a problem with your flesh. So that's why it takes a daily surrender, a daily sanctification, a daily setting apart. Paul the Apostle talked about the struggle in the flesh. The things that I would do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do or wouldn't do, I end up doing. I'm paraphrasing, but if Paul the Apostle, the, arguably the greatest missionary of uh, Christian history, had problems with his flesh, who are you and I to assume or say that we don't? The point is, sanctification is not just a one-time deal. It is a perpetual, constant deal we are to always continually seek to surrender afresh and anew to the lord jesus and so don't mistake yesterday's victory for power today because today you're going to have to get victory again right now i know that the power of the blood is settled i know that there's some things that are permanent my salvation is settled but now my sanctification i had to fight for every day because if i don't if I let my guard down, if I don't guard the gates of my heart, my eye gate, my ear gate, my mouth, right? If I don't guard those things while that old devil slip in, this old flesh will take advantage of my weakness. Next thing you know, I'm mingling around and seeing like I don't supposed to be as a child of God. So God wants us to be set apart for his use and for his glory. And I, I don't believe on this side of heaven in a literal state of sinless perfection as it relates to this old body but i do believe that we can live a surrendered life amen and i believe that if we're if our attitude's right then we can go a long way with god and god can take us a long way with him can i get an amen all right so let's look at this last week we talked about and my question was does sanctification does it really matter you know uh, it seems like so much of the so-called Christian world today is very flippant about sin. It's very cool and casual about it. Don't want to mention it. Acts like it's no big deal. And it is a big deal. And it does matter. We, last week we talked about how that sanctification is a matter of distinction. We looked at verse 14 particularly. Be not unequally yoked together. With unbelievers, that's not just a marriage verse. That's a, a, a general principle that applies across the board for anything and everything Christian. Amen? That we're not to just so easily and casually yoke up with anything and everything going, whether it's saved or unsaved, right? Uh, that God's given us a new heart, that God's given us a new partnership, that God's given us a new spirit. These are things we talked about last week and go back and listen to them again. But understanding that sanctification is a matter of distinction. That God will make a distinction between you and others. That there will be difference between you and the lost as a saved person. Amen. And they ought to see a difference. And we're, our job is not to blend in but to stand out. If we blend in what would make us any different to them and why would they want what we have? Right? Amen. Uh, any of you that go shopping for something, you ladies can uh, testify this in particular. Guys don't care so much as the ladies do. 
But how many of you like, when you buy something, do you like things that are rare and original? Raise your hand. You don't like to buy a shirt just to show up for church and the person sitting beside you wearing the same shirt, do you? You like to be different, right? We don't like to just all blend in. Well, what makes, what makes us think that we're going to win the world by being like the world? Truth is, we're not going to. Amen. And I promise you, they'll beat you at your game. They'll be a whole lot better being worldly than you will. Right? Why try to go there? They need to see something different. And, and we, should know, we should all know that. But uh, sometimes we, it bears repeating. Amen. Tonight I want to look at this thought. Sanctification is not only a matter of uh, distinction, but it is a matter of representation. Looking again at our text, verse 16. Bless you. <laughs> and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are, present tense, the temple of the living God. Ye are the temple of the living God. You are the place in which God has chosen to reside, to live. That's powerful. That's also very sobering. Uh, we like to ask the question from time to time, what would Jesus do? Uh, it would also be fair to ask it this way, where would Jesus go? If you're spending time in places that you would be embarrassed to, for Jesus to tag along with you and go with you, then you need to be more conscious of his presence in your life because he's with you everywhere you go. Amen? And I think that living, living holy boils down to living a God-conscious lifestyle. To be consciously aware and alert of God's presence at all times. And when you start thinking about it on those terms, you start watching your steps a little more carefully. You start watching your words a little more carefully. You start guarding your thoughts a little more carefully. Amen? And so knowing that this is a matter of representation because God lives in you and he has bought you, verse 16 goes on and says, As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. Listen, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. He assumes ownership of you. Right? So, if we are to represent him well, then we are to understand that he is, he is our master. We have a new master. His name is Jesus Christ. As a master, he calls the shots. He gives the orders. We uh, are not here to live out our will and our preferences and our desires and our opinions and our propaganda, but we are to figure out what it is that our master wants us to do and get busy doing it. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19 says, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, Paul writes, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. Paul is saying that he is an ambassador if you look up this word ambassador in the Greek, it means, as, uh, it, it means to act as a representative. 
Webster defines it as a minister of the highest rank employed by one prince or state at the court of another to manage the public concerns of his own prince or state and representing the power of dignity of his sovereign. That's pretty good. Amen. Ambassadors are ordinary when they reside permanently at a foreign court or extraordinary when they are sent on a special occasion. And my friend, I've found that God does both. Sometimes uh, he gives us an extraordinary assignment. But it ought to be a common thing for us to, uh, to, to be looked at as peculiar people living in a foreign land. We are strangers. We are pilgrims just passing through. But while we're here, we are to be ambassadors for the king, representing his rule, his will, his thoughts, his person in this strange and foreign land. Amen, church. Because he's our master. And we are in bonds to him, even as Paul wrote. And he said this, for this reason, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What, is, what would our master have us to do? To speak on his behalf. To represent his word. To represent his will. To represent his power and his glory. Amen. And my friends, we're simply not going to do that if we're not willing to live a separated life. So he's our new master. Number two, not only do we have a new master, but we have a new mandate. Verse 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. My friend, I believe that this verse defines repentance at its best what is repentance but turning from our sin and turning to God to do his blessed will and God wants us to be separate now let's see now what Jesus had to say about what separation actually means practically for the child of God John chapter 17 and we begin reading in verse number 14 Jesus said, I have given them thy word. He's praying to the Father. By the way, uh, for those of you who are students of the word, we commonly uh, refer to the Lord's prayer as the one that begins, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, but I would rather call that the model prayer, right? It's not the prayer necessarily that Jesus always prayed to his Father, so much as it was the prayer he taught us to pray to the Father. I would, I would prefer to call the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 the Lord's Prayer because this is a record of him praying to his Father on our behalf. But nonetheless, look what he says. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Stop right there for just a second. The world hated them. Have you ever felt hated by the world because you love Jesus? Welcome to the club. Amen. We're not called to make the world happy. 
We're not called to make the world like us or make the world love us. To see how many likes and hearts and smiley faces we can get, right? That's not what we're here to do. Now, I don't think we should be you know, honorable and cantankerous on purpose. We shouldn't just look for ways to rub salt in people's wounds and see how mad we can make them, right? And some people wear their ability to make people angry as a badge of honor. I don't think that's the right attitude either. Amen, church? But listen, by default, people are going to hate you simply because you love Jesus and bear his name. No matter how sweet you are. No matter how loving you are. Because you live in the light and they live in darkness and the great contrast makes them very uncomfortable and they're going to hate you even if you're the most loving person in the world. You don't have to be mean for them to hate you. You just have to try to be like Jesus. Amen, church? Right? And Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So when we're talking about separation, we're not talking about separating us from the people who need the gospel. We're talking about separating us from their sin and their lifestyle. And there's a distinct difference. I'm afraid that much of the Christian world has created segregation policies. I'm not talking about in terms of race, though that might be applicable in some situations, unfortunately. But I'm talking about how that we have created our own cultures within a culture. Everything We got our Christian schools and our Christian colleges and our Christian this and our Christian that. And all, though all that's good in and of its own right... Let me ask you a question. How are we going to reach the world if we're not within the world? Jesus didn't pray that the Father would take us out of the world. He prayed that the Father would deliver us from the evil that is in the world. He wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. The, the, what, the doctrine of sanctification is not pulling us out of the world, but it's pulling us out of the evil of the world. So that we can be in the world living differently and not succumbing to the same temptation that the world is succumbing to. Does that make sense to you? That's why it's important for us to equip our children to know how to live for God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. You're not going to shield them from everything evil. As children, we should try to protect, I mean, as parents, we should try to protect our children from as much as possible during their formidable years. I agree with that. But there comes a time when mom and daddy is going to have to realize that they're not going to shield them from everything, but they can prepare them for everything. You can prepare them to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You can teach them by modeling what it looks like to stand up for Jesus in the midst of adversity. To stand up for Jesus when you're the only one saying what is true and what is right. And nobody else is voting like you. And nobody else is agreeing with you. And you're the, uh, the one that stands out like a sore thumb. And you're the one that nobody wants to see coming. Because you always have to be the one that points out this is not right. This is not honoring to God. But God help us to teach our children how to be different in this world. Amen. They need that salt. They need that light as much as they hate it. One of they, sooner or later, some of them will come to realize how much they need your example. And we need to be willing to not just shield ourselves from being around them so much as asking God to help us to be the light right in the middle of their darkness. 
That's not to say that we go to the bar room to lead the drunkard to Christ, right? But that is to say that as you're working beside them, as you bump across them, bump into them at Walmart or, or wherever you might uh, find them in life, that you are light in this dark, dark world. You're not to dodge the lost. You're to run to the lost with the hope of the gospel, right? So this, mess, this new mandate is for us to be separate as it relates to our living, our lifestyle, not as it relates to coming across others who do not know the Lord as their Savior. He said in verse 16, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. How's he going to do it? Through that truth. What is truth? He said, Thy word is truth. You're not going to live a sanctified life if you don't get in this book. Not going to happen. The Bible teaches us that uh, through the washing of the water of the word, amen, that we can renew our minds daily. And we need that. You ever, you ever been accused of being brainwashed? Guilty as charged. I need my brain washed every day with the Word of God. Amen? I need it because my mind sometimes can get way off track. And yours can too. Amen. Before you start judging me, you might as well admit it. All of us, our minds are prone to wonder. You need a cleansing of the mind. And a brainwashing ain't such a bad deal when it washes the filth out and replaces it with truth and light. Somebody say amen right there. God wants us to be saturated with the truth of God's Word so that that Word be, can begin the process of setting us apart. Look at what Jesus did. He who knew no sin became sin for us and He became flesh and dwelt among us and not once did He sin. Not once did He personally sin or violate the commandment of God and yet he walked right up in the midst of all of our filth and he he did it because he was the living and breathing word of God and the same way that he lived a sanctified life in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation is the same way we're going to do it through the power of God's word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives he said, sanctify them to the truth, thy word is truth. He said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. Thank God for Christians who work in secular culture and in secular jobs and secular places. Amen. Because if it were not for Christians living in a secular world, working in secular government, the secular world would never have an example and never have a light of the hope of the gospel. What you need to pray is just as what Jesus prayed. Lord, don't take me away from them, but take, deliver me from the evil and help me to be a light. Help me to be the difference that they gravitate to in their time of need. And I believe if every Christian took this attitude, we could turn the whole world upside down for Jesus. What was Paul praying earlier? We read the text that I may speak boldly. I believe that the difference between living a sanctified life of significance and one that is hidden from the world is the difference of whether or not you're able and willing to speak up for Jesus.
That can be the difference maker right there. Mention his name. Point people to him. Every chance you get. Amen. And that will begin the process of setting difference between them and us. And more importantly, them and God. He said, uh, I send them into the world. He said, and for their sakes I sanctify myself. That they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, these disciples, but also, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. See, he covered us there in that same prayer. Jesus prayed that as we are living in the world, that we would be different, that we would point them to Christ, and that we would be delivered from the evil that surrounds us. See, so you can live. A life of victory in a dark world. You don't have to live in continual rebellion and continual defeat and continual lust and continual whatever, disobedience. You can get victory as a Christian and live victoriously over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you can do so through God's remedy, which is sanctification of the believer. So you have a mandate. That mandate is to be separate in your attitudes and your actions. Amen? And then not only are we given a new master and a new mandate, but thirdly and lastly tonight, I want to say this. We are given a new message. Verse 18 said of our text, And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So the message that we carry comes from our Heavenly Father. This is His message. It's not our message. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind. And write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God. And they shall be to me a people. This was prophetic of course. Of the new covenant under the blood of Christ. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As a result of the redemption of the purchased possession. What they, the law could not do. And that it was weak through the flesh. Jesus Christ bought us through the blood. Cleansed us. Made us. Vessels fit for the master's use through the righteousness of Christ. And now the Holy, you know, we've said before, God does not dwell in unclean vessels. So you know what he does? He cleans the vessel. He'll clean it through the washing of the water of the word. He'll clean it through the blood of Christ. And because your vessel has been cleansed by the blood of Christ, now the holy of holies lives on the inside of you because you are now made clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you have a new message to declare to this world and you can testify personally of the grace of God, not only that saved your wretched soul, but that can save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. John 3.16 is that message. Need I quote it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message. 
Ezekiel chapter 44 said in verse 23, They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And in controversy, they shall stand in statutes and all uh, mine assemblies. They shall hallow my Sabbaths. Amen. He's saying they shall be taught between holy and profane. And when I'm in the world and I'm teaching someone about Jesus, stand up here for a second, Jude. Amen. Let's say, let's pretend Jude's lost. Just living for the devil. He don't look like he's living for the devil, does he? Amen. Let's just pretend that he is. When I come to Jude and he notices that I'm different, I'm not teaching him the difference between me and him. I'm teaching him the difference between him and Jesus. If I compare him to me, he'll find fault in me and walk away and call me a fool and a hypocrite. If I teach him the difference between him and Jesus, then he can see that I'm not being hypocritical, I'm being honest. Amen. I had to call on Jesus too because Jesus was way different than me too. So what I, we're teaching the difference between is holy and profane. And I'm not declaring my own righteousness when I witness to Jude. I'm not saying, hey, if you live like me, you'd be all right. I'm saying, look, we both sinners, and if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd both be in hell with our back broke. Amen? But because of the grace of God and the holiness of Christ, we can both come to Jesus and both receive forgiveness for our wretchedness. That's what you do when you teach people. You sit back down teach people between holiness and holy, unholiness. You teach them the difference between you and me and Christ. Christ is the standard. This is our message. Not we ourselves, not our accomplishments, but His. Amen? Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, the righteous one, had every right to command all men everywhere to repent because He was and is and forevermore shall be the standard of righteousness and holiness. That's the difference. John 3, 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. That is our message to this world, to everyone. And if we live sanctified lives, I believe it will start showing up in the way we talk. Amen. I believe he'll clean up our language. He'll teach us things not to say, but he'll also put things in our mouth to say, to tell others of the grace of God. And I'll say this and I'll close for the night. Uh, when we start learning what it means to live separated lives, separated in attitudes and actions and, and, and the things that we say, I believe we will begin to discover what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to live a Spirit-filled life. And, and I've always believed that a Spirit-filled life is evidenced by being bold for Jesus to just have the boldness to share your faith and tell others about Jesus. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's not mystical and it's not confusing. There are entire denominations that will teach you that to be filled with the Holy Ghost is to speak in an unknown tongue. Let me clarify that for you tonight. To be filled with the Holy Ghost is to speak the gospel very clearly in a language that the listener can clearly understand. Because God does not want His message of hope 
so mystical and so confusing that people don't know what God's trying to say to them. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he gave us his spirit so that we could clearly know and understand the received and known will of God for lost mankind. And don't you know that we serve a loving Savior who seeks to clear up the fog and to communicate to us effectively his love for us. Amen. And if we are to live a sanctified life and a spirit-filled life, it will start showing up in the things not only that we don't say, but the things that we should and do say to help others find the Savior that we claim we love. Amen, church? Sanctification is a matter of distinction, a matter of representation, and next week we will cover that sanctification is a matter of effectiveness. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word. God, I'm the first to say tonight, Lord, that honestly I don't always live like I'm sanctified. But Lord, I'm asking for your help that I would live distinctly different. Lord, not so that I could boast or brag in myself, but that when others ask of the hope that is in me, I can say the difference is Jesus, and you can know him too. Help us to get a hunger and thirst for righteousness and a desire to win others to Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.